0: Earlier, I should have alerted you to our opening hymn—the fact that it tells the story of our scripture reading today. So, if at any point you get bored in the sermon, you can go back and look at that opening hymn and just kind of ponder all of that. We do hear that story—the same story again—from the Gospel of Matthew, uh, Gospel of Mark, but it is also found in the Gospel of Matthew. Today, we enter the story of Jesus' transfiguration from, Gos- uh, from Mark chapter nine. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling bright, such as no one on earth could brighten them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. And then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us set up three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He didn't know what to say, for they were terrified. And then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, my beloved. Listen to him. And suddenly, When they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them not to tell anyone about what they had seen, until after the Son of Man had been risen from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy Lord, send your spirit upon us that we may receive with joy and hear with wisdom what you are saying to your church this day. Through Christ we pray. Amen. There are some scripture passages that tell us who we are. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. There are scripture passages that tell us what to do and how to live. Love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. And then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful. There are scripture passages that tell us what to think. Be of the same mind. Having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish selfish ambition or empty conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. And there are scripture passages that tell us a little history. Now, Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. He prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And his father had never at any time reprimanded him by asking, why have you done thus and so? He was also very handsome. And he was born next after Absalom. And he conferred with Joab and Zeruiah and with the priest Abiathar, and they supported Adonijah. And it goes on, a little history. There are scripture passages which are just pure poetry. Oh, you are beautiful, my love. You are beautiful. Your eyes are doves. And you are beautiful, my beloved, truly lovely. Our couch is green. The beams of our house are cedar, the rafters are pine. Why we need to know the couch is green, I don't know. <laughs> and then there are scripture passages that tell us who God is. The Lord is a God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, giving in- 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 giving iniquity and transgression and sin, but for who will, let's see? let's do that again, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And then there are scripture passages like ours today in the Gospel of Mark. We call it the transfiguration of Jesus. It is one of those scriptural stories that tells us more about who God is, and especially who God is in light of who Jesus is and what God is up to in the light of the person and ministry of Jesus of Nazareth. What is difficult about this passage is that there is no grand analogy to take away from this story. There is no sowing of seeds with utter abandon that shows forth deep trust in the lavishness of God's providence. Nor is it a morality tale about how we ourselves should be transformed, be better people. The text would never answer the question, what would Jesus do in this situation? As if somehow we, like Jesus, should climb up a mountain dressed all in white and await the revelation of our own divine inner nature. No, this is a story about God. It is a story about Jesus. It just. Happens. And more importantly, it is a story about who God is, and thanks be to God, Mark includes it in this gospel. It is about Jesus in the flesh, Jesus in the spirit, Jesus seen in the light of God, Jesus in the light of the law and the prophets, Jesus seen with new awareness. The story occurs about halfway through the gospel of Mark. You do your math. There are 16 chapters. This is the beginning of chapter 9. So halfway through the story, and from this moment on, we are propelled in a very fast-paced journey toward the last week of Jesus' life, the triumphal entry, that meal he shares with his disciples, and death on a cross. From this passage, we don't learn much about ourselves who we're supposed to be. The disciples themselves aren't transfigured or transformed in this encounter. Jesus never says, in light of what you have seen, seek to reveal to others your own divine nature. Nope. Jesus just says, don't talk about it. Don't talk about it, because there is a whole lot going on here that you may never understand. You will certainly know more by and by, when the Son of Man is raised from the dead. But for now, remember, and then tell the story. Remember, and that's what we're doing here, here and now. And, and because his disciples, James, Peter, and John remembered and were given license to speak as the resurrected Christ gave them leave and the Spirit, they told this story. And what is important for us on this day is to experience the story, the story of Jesus being transformed and transmuted and transfigured and transubstantiated, all those things and revealed in heavenly light for who he is in God's sight. And there, along with Moses and Elijah, Jesus is seen as the fulfillment of the law and the prophets and something more. And we are to marvel at what God is up to as we, like the disciples, that continue to walk together with Jesus down the mountain and into the the world, and ultimately into the valley of the shadow of death. As odd and disconcerting as this story is, we are to remember and tell the story. In experiencing the story, I do have to say that we live at a pretty safe distance from this story. It's been 2,000 years. And our only access to this story is through these words of Mark, or if we want to flip over to Matthew, we'll find it there. But either way, we are at a safe distance from the events of this story, and that means potentially that we're somewhat safe from Jesus and from God. But you know who isn't safe in the story? Peter, James, and John, that's who. They were close enough to see it all, Jesus as one in dazzling white clothing, brighter than the sun. And Moses was there, and Elijah was there. And how they knew it was Moses and Elijah, we will never know. (laughs) And then there was that great cloud of unknowing, and the voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And boy, were those disciples confused. You might say they were discombobulated, and their wits asunder, and are certainly not safe. As I was reading the story, it reminded me of a moment when I was in Ethiopia, of all places. In northern Ethiopia, there are these churches which are carved into the rock. Not carved this way, but carved this way. So that when you stand on the edge and look down at those churches, You stand on the precipice of something pretty exciting because in one of those churches, they say, is the true Ark of the Covenant. You'll never know which one, but it just might be there. And so as you come close and you look down and you stand on the precipice of the Holy of Holies, you're not safe. And you're especially not safe because in Ethiopia there's no OSHA. There is no guardrail between you and that precipice looking down. There is no guardrail in sight. And no matter how truly safe we think we are, approaching the living God, you never know how God is going to show up. There is no safety net for those disciples in our story, and they just, they're just out for a walk with Jesus. And It's funny how casually Mark tells the story. Jesus took with them Peter, James, and John, and they went up a high mountain by themselves. And he was changed in his form as if this happened every day. But Mark gives us further clues that this is something special, something untamable, something outside, outside the bounds of institutional religion. And his clothes became bright and dazzling, as such as none can whiten them. And there appeared with them Elijah and Moses who were talking with him. Wow! I remember once when I was a young child, and I was visiting my grandmother in upstate New York with my friend Greg from Boston. And we, at that night when we were visiting, Outside, there was this terrific electrical storm. The rain was coming down, and the lightning was flashing all over the place, and the next, town, the next day, oh, the next day, the next town, trees were all... Uh, I can't even have no words for it. They were all down. You know, There was such a storm going on inside, but we thought we were safe inside, right? When suddenly, in the midst of all of this, we're sitting there, and as if light came from every place in the room, into a ball in the middle of the room, a ball of light. And it just hung there, and we stared, and we stared. I don't know how long it was, one two, ten. It's hard to catch the sense of that when everything happens in once. This ball of light, and it just pulsated. And then all of a sudden, like a mini supernova, it was gone. I mean, it it burst. My friend and I, Greg, we just stared. And all of a sudden, we just went, ah, and ran from the room, (laughs) thinking we were safe. And that's a naturally occurring phenomenon called ball lightning. Just think about what the disciples experienced with a super being bedazzled by supernatural light, more brilliant than the sun. And that light was Jesus, the guy they knew. And what did they do? They said, hey, uh, let's build some tents. It seemed like the right thing to say in the moment. And then a great cloud overshadowed them. And there was this voice, this one that you are staring at, robed in light, is my beloved son. Listen to him." It's so hard to capture the simultaneity of it all. Big word. But it means everything happening at once. And when we tell the story, as Mark does, it's all kind of pedantic. This, this happened, and this happened, and this happened, this happened. We need to take it all in at once, like a burst of light in my grandmother's living room. And I'm sure something similar is going on with Mark. It's hard to capture this life-altering encounter with the living God because we have to use words to do it. What we do know is in the telling uh, what happens next. Mark uses this word unexpectedly, suddenly, unexpectedly, they look around, and it's just Jesus. Jesus is there with them. He was transformed, transfigured, transmuted, transubstantiated, whatever it was, right there in front of them. But I think this whole story falls in the area of unexpected because it goes beyond our expectations. Beyond all of our expectations, God shows up in Jesus of Nazareth, and with him, two great representatives of the faith appear, Moses and Elijah. And as Elijah passed on the mantle of prophecy to Elisha, if you need that story, it's in 2 Kings. Go look at it later. But long ago, Elijah passed on the mantle of the Spirit, and so, too, God passes on the mantle of the law and prophecy and something more to Jesus, the mantle of the Spirit. We could with confidence say that the continuation of this story comes in the Gospel of Luke. I think you know the story when there are two disciples walking along on the day of resurrection, but they don't know that's happened. And they're dejected and despondent. They're walking to Emmaus. And along the way, unexpectedly, Jesus walks with them. And he talks with them. And their hearts are strangely warmed. So much so, as they're speaking and listening, they invite him. They said, come and eat a meal with us. And in the breaking of the bread, their eyes were opened, and they saw him like a mini supernova before them. And he is gone. And the two disciples, they run back to Jerusalem to tell others the story. And today, we have an opportunity to draw near to the precipice, the edge Not at a safe distance, but close enough to be overwhelmed and overshadowed by this Jesus, who for us is revealed as he truly is in the breaking of the bread. The transfiguration happens here, at this table, and in this community. And the Spirit, as it is poured out over these elements and over us, And in the sharing, we receive a portion of the Spirit that is fitting for the living of these days until such a time that we shall see Jesus and God face to face. For now, we live in grace and under the burden of light that is light, that says not, don't tell anyone, But rather, it is the gospel that we encounter here that compels us to live out the gospel message in all that we do, love one another. And may the light of our transfigured Lord walk with you and us through the end of our days. Let us come to the feast of God. Amen.